Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of A Mic on the Podium with me, Michael Seal. Today, I conduct a conversation with a Dutch conductor who started his career as assistant to Valery Gergiev at the Rotterdam Philharmonic, but has gone on to hold positions in Switzerland and the Netherlands, and since 2018, he's been music director of the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra in Canada. It's a great pleasure to welcome Otto Tausk. Otto, it's lovely to meet you and to speak with you today. Good morning, I gather, because you're in Vancouver and I'm at home here in Birmingham. Good afternoon, and yes, good morning for me. It's a beautiful, the sun is just coming up and uh, we're expecting some snow, so I'm looking forward to this week here in Vancouver. Lovely. Um, I always go back to the very beginning, and I'm going to mention the word violin, and also straight away say that, you know, we have something vaguely in common. I once did play in a masterclass given by the violin teacher Victor Liebermann, who I Ooh. read that you uh, were taught by, as, as along with others. So do you come from a musical family, and was the violin your first love? So the violin was definitely my first love. So it, it all happened when I found a violin uh, at my grandmother's place in the attic. It was full full of dust, and it was hidden away somewhere. I, I got it out, and I started playing, and I really liked it. And, I, 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 well, I, I just didn't stop anymore playing the violin. Um, the so so my parents love music but not i'm not from a like a, a musician's family or anything um if you go back a bit further in in history my family comes from vienna and around vienna yeah. and and they were musicians and sculptures and, and and there's there's lots of arts in the family coming from austria and that and that area but um my parents did completely different things so um i was always um doing that on my own um and it's actually and I, I felt very comfortable with that mm. um i was going to ask uh, or mention that you you know you mentioned vienna but you weren't born there you're dutch is that correct i'm dutch i'm, yes. I'm dutch i'm born i'm born in the netherlands and um um it, it's funny you mentioned victor lieberman uh being my violin teacher uh because somehow there's always been lots of and we'll come to speak about that probably later on but lots of russian influences in in my in my in my musical life yes. to say and um and of course that was uh studying with him was a, was a big part of um well getting that um uh that way of playing and that kind of spirit right into my veins and everything yeah did you because i'm not sure i, I know the answer to this but did you play in youth orchestras in in the netherlands um well, i'm sure there's a national youth orchestra but i wonder whether there's local and smaller groups well, actually, I didn't, and 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 a, a little bit to my regret because um, my teacher at the time, when I was young, always thought that playing in an orchestra you can do that for the rest of your life if you want to, and if yeah. you do it too soon, um, it might muck up your technique. Um, which which I I at the time I thought, yeah, that makes sense. But um, thinking back, there are so many colleagues and friends that have the most wonderful memories of playing in youth orchestras and and actually traveling with the youth orchestras. And, um, and I always feel slightly jealous having missed out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Touring as a child. I mean, I think I think I first went on tour when I was 13 and then wow. probably went every one or two years until, you know, wow. well, and, uh, until now. But, you know, Fantastic, especially yeah. as kids. Yeah. I mean, what a yeah. what a great yeah. experience. And you, yeah. you're still friends with those people, you know, later on in life, people you went on tour with for a week or whatever. Exactly. Um, so on to further and higher education. Um, I'm assuming you went as a violinist or did you go and study something else? 
No, I went as a violinist. Absolutely, mm. I, 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 I did a little bit of um, uh, psychology studies on the side, mm. um, but uh, that was just pu- purely because I, I, I thought it was interesting, and I was, I was, I, I wanted to, well, you know, do do something else as well. But um, music kept on pulling harder than, um, than studying for for something else. Um, so, uh, so I studied the violin um, as we talked about with Victor Lieberman in in a place called Utrecht. Utrecht is in the Netherlands. It's one of the big cities. It's a beautiful city. It's a city where I was actually born. Yeah. Um, so I, I was, I was, I was back in the city where I was born. And um, at that time, Utrecht was a really good music school because it had a couple of very, very interesting and famous teachers. And and two of them were for violin. One of them was Lieberman, and the other one was Philip Hirschhorn, who um, is. Well, he, 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 uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, but he was—he was an extraordinary figure um, who was um, uh, very famous for his um, uh, finale of the Queen Elizabeth competition, where he plays the uh, Paganini Concerto. He—he um, mm. he got first prize when Guidon Kramer got third prize. And, um, <laughs> wow! And this—and it's—it it was a very special man, and I remember very well from this recording. I listened and listened forever to that recording, and. Um, at the time, I don't know how it's now, but at the time it was actually not allowed to applaud, uh, especially not, not between movements. Mm. And then after the first movement, there was like 12 minutes of applause when he finished that. It was, it was, it's still when you listen to it, it's, I'm thinking about it, I, I get goosebumps. Um, yeah. So, 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 so Lieberman and Hirschhorn, um, those great teachers were there in Utrecht, which attracted a lot of international great players. Mm. Um which was rather unique, I think. And um, I lived in a student house with um, uh, people from Spain and from Italy and from 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 Korea, and 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 people came from everywhere to 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 join those classes in Utrecht. And I do remember um, because I don't play the violin anymore. Since I started conducting, I just quit the violin completely. But I do remember those evenings, you know, playing string quartets with uh, lots of pasta and red wine, and and that's a kind of joy as a musician you can share that um with other musicians as a conductor it's much it's much more by yourself and yeah. and, and 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 somehow although i i i i never miss having to practice and be in shape uh, <laughs> for playing the violin which you do otherwise it's really terrible but um that that, that kind of physical uh, thing what you do when you play an instrument and then you do it together with a small group and you're just having fun with music that, that I have such great memories of that actually yeah I was laughing because uh, it's almost identical to me and in fact I noticed we're born in the same year but you know I was a violinist for 22 years with the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra but stopped playing in July 2014 there's one just wow. over there's one just over there but I, I barely ever pick it up and I'm quite I don't right. miss I don't miss the practicing no. But I do no. miss the camaraderie of the small groups yes. of um, yes, and and when when I noticed it the most was actually at the start of lockdown when I saw that, you know, people were doing concerts from their living room or whatever else, yep. and and that's why I started this podcast because I thought, well, what yes. can we do as conductors? We yes. can do nothing. We've got nobody it's to what, to well, play with. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful that you do this because because having this little personal insight in all those fantastic conductors you have on your podcast is 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 a revelation for many people i think it's 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 really great and it, it also somehow connects us in a way that is um of course we're, we're not speaking to each other um yeah. the, the only time you meet conductors is at the airport trying to catch another <laughs> flight um, that's right but, but yeah and that's so so you hardly ever 
get the chance to talk about conducting with other conductors. No, no, it's it's very true. And actually, I've made quite a few firm friends. For instance, Kevin John Edusay is conducting in Birmingham this week, and I should probably Wonderful. look him up and go and Wonderful. see him having interviewed Wonderful. him. Wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, we, we have gone on to conducting, and I'm assuming that it was whilst you were studying the violin in Utrecht well, the, well, yeah, the conducting well, I, rears its ugly head, or whatever you want to call very it. Very true. Well, that's yeah. very true. So it was actually, um, um, it was perhaps because my teacher Lieberman thought I wasn't a great violinist, and and then he he said, "Well, why don't you also think about conducting?" And I said, "Well, what do you mean? Why should I think about conducting?" And then he said, "Well, I can see something in your, I I can't remember the exact words. He might have said something like your nature or your the way you 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 treat music that might." be something for you and then i thought yeah well I'll, I'll finish my violin first and i'll see whatever happens and um uh. um but um uh, it somehow stuck in the back of my mind somewhere it, it, it was there and then i was playing saint matthew passion and uh the conductor it's just a classic story the conductor wasn't there so who wants to do the rehearsal and i said oh well, i'll try it yeah. and then i thought oh this is this is great fun that's yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna research this a bit more um so i i actually went to um to Lithuania, to Vilnius. Um, and uh, I studied there with a guy uh, who was at the time the music director of the opera in Vilnius. Um, he's called Jonas Alexa. Mm. Um, and um, he he was just a very brilliant and, and, and wonderful conductor and a really good teacher. Um, and somehow never people don't really know him as a conductor because he was he had two big problems because when he was young lithuania was very much under control of uh another big country mm. um and and that other big country didn't allow the, the talented musicians to go abroad so he told me that once he he met von karajan and uh karajan said well you should come to berlin you should be my assistant in Berlin, because you're such a wonderful musician and conductor. And and then he was told he wasn't allowed. Mm. Um, so that, that that already in the beginning of his career, it was like, no, you're not you're not going elsewhere. You're staying in Lithuania. You're, you're one of us. Um, and then he, he also developed a kind of kind of fear of flying somehow. He didn't he didn't he didn't want to go on airplanes. So then those two elements kind of. Well, made his career stay in Lithuania but it was it was a fabulous conductor and uh, uh, a very tough teacher I remember um, wanting me to do things from memory and that was not something I was used to be doing um, and there's still there's still moments where I think um, uh, I'm, I'm glad that he put me through that because hmm. because well, yeah it, it, it's hmm. it's just you have to, sometimes you need someone else to kind of push you in a certain direction uh, that you might not have done yourself. Um, and it's, it was uh, I was a wonderful time. And, the, and, and one of the great things in, in Vilnius when I was studying there um, was um, an orchestra in a place called Kaunas, which is which is it's, it's also it's maybe the second city of Lithuania. And I always compare it to Amsterdam and Rotterdam. I don't know mm. if you know Amsterdam and Rotterdam. Amsterdam is a beautiful city. Um, uh, but also slightly touristic, and yes, Rotterdam. Yes. It, Rotterdam is very different. Rotterdam is very much the hardworking people, and um, uh, Rotterdam was bombed during the Second World War. And the um, the city doesn't have that elegance and beauty as Amsterdam. But the people in in Rotterdam are hardworking, great, great, great people, um, and um, uh, and are very 
in, in a way also very concerned about each other and about the, the city they live in. And mm. and Vilnius and Kaunas is perhaps a bit the same. Vilnius is the is the one it's the city everyone knows and goes to when they go visit Lithuania uh, as a tourist. But Kaunas is the city that where where I felt oh here's where the real Lithuanian people are are working mm-hmm. and living. So uh, there was an orchestra, a small chamber orchestra, and the conductor was out or off i'm not sure what what was going on with that conductor so they needed someone to do all their rehearsing and um so when studying in in vilnius i would a couple of times a week i would take the 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 bus uh, in into in into the other city kaunas and and i learned a great deal from just standing in front of the orchestra and making all the mistakes i still make but um <laughs> and now I, I now i know why i do them yeah <laughs> Was Alexa, I mean, you said he was a hard taskmaster. Was he an overall holistic approach equally weighed on score study and stick technique, or was he hot on one area more than the other? It was, um, it, he always wanted the students to be extremely clear mm. um, and, um, in, and, and, and very precise in, in um, like, rhythmical things in your technique should be yeah. always clear and and very much in control but at the same time it was someone when you saw him conduct he was he was improvising almost every bar what he was doing so mm. so there was this there was this huge knowledge and 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 technical uh, uh, skill that he had and he wanted his students to 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 work on but when he was conducting himself it was like um it, it, m- magical the way he kind of forgot all about the technique and and was just there for the music which i think he taught me and and i'll never accomplish what he could do but he taught me that if you don't if you don't have those skills first in your technique if you there's no way you can ever be free in a musical way um and still be helpful for an orchestra um and and, and what he showed me was that the other way around, it just doesn't work. You you cannot just make music without actually knowing what you're doing. Mm, um, mm. And so so that was that was great. And he was he was so so he was an opera conductor. And I think especially being an opera conductor, you have to be extremely flexible because things happen all the time. But at the same time, you have to be so clear about w- what's going on that the orchestra can follow you. When it, even with their ears closed, they they know if the singer is making a rubato or not. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's so that's um, uh, I, I think that's where a lot of that skill also comes from. I'm going to guess where what happened next because you I think you said you went to Vilnius first, but then I think you come back home and then you studied with Yuyen Hempel and Kenneth Montgomery. And I know Kenneth Montgomery um, has. Uh, taught or maybe still does in the Hague is that right um it's right the, yeah, yeah so I, I it was a, a wild guess but it sounds like I've got it right and and so well, you, they... you, you, you've got it you've got it almost right so I started right. with Urian and Ken and then I and, and and during that time I did go to Vilnius back and forth yeah. so it was it was kind of a mixture and it was interesting because Kenneth Montgomery is uh one of the well also one of the great opera conductors and and was musically um extremely interesting for me to 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 get to know um 
absolutely no technique whatsoever um, uh, was talked about during the lessons. So right. it's um, so so it was a very different approach, um, but also a fantastic one. Yeah. Um, and Yuyen, how does he teach? Because he's not he's a, a name I know because I went and conducted in Yoensu in Finland, which uh, yes. he was the music boss of yes. for quite a while. Yes. Um, yes. So it's a name I know, and I think we shared an agent for a while. But what, what's his teaching style like? So Yurian is much more down to earth, and Yurian oh. is a very, is a very technical conductor, and is um is 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 capable of doing the most complicated Fernie Howe scores, and <laughs> and and has no issue with studying a score for a year before actually understanding, um, you know what what the thirteen against seventeen rhythms are doing, um, yeah. and he can do that. He has this kind of brilliant, almost boulez way of 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 thinking and being able to show stuff so that that was a wonderful combination having having urian and kenneth both both as inspirational conductors yeah 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 and urian actually also urian was like me the assistant of the rotterdam philharmonic orchestra for 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 many years so 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 um i i, I after my my studies that's that's the place where i went yeah. Um, so so that, there's also the connection with Yuri in there. Well, it's almost like you've read my mind. I was going to drop in that during the time that you were the principal conductor of Ensemble MAE for six years, you were also assistant conductor to the Rotterdam Phil. And you mentioned it earlier, another Russian name appears here, and that's Valery Gergiev, who was the, uh, yeah. the music director at the time. Yes. How was that, that you know, those three years oh. when you've got the chance to ask musicians things in the TQ uh, and to hear them talk about, you know, the guest conductors you may or may not get to see, and also to be working with a name such as Gergiev. How was that? Yeah. Well, it was a brilliant time. So it's so when I started there, it felt like getting the keys to a Ferrari when you've just uh, managed to pass your driver's license, right? So it, it's yeah. like, it, it's, and, it, and, the, and the orchestra in Rotterdam is really like a Ferrari. If you, if you, press the right buttons they they go really fast and they yeah. go really good um uh but they can also go too fast and too good you know so this is <laughs> this is the, and 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 standing in front of that orchestra um i always felt that's i think that's really important for me um uh, to mention is that i always felt very welcome because um it's such a difficult thing for a young conductor to stand in front of the orchestra and actually doing all those things for the very first very first time yes. and they they've they've been playing it for their entire life so they they actually know much better what can go wrong or right mm. um and you're doing it and you're diving in into this deep water and 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 the water is 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 sometimes really cold um <laughs> and and you have to kind of survive but they they were they were brilliant they were fantastic and the the very first week I did there as assistant conductor, as you say, um, for Valery Gergiev, I, I was assistant conductor for all the guest conductors. So, so, yeah. so I had to study a new program for every week. So that yeah. was I got a lot of repertoire. Um, but of course, the weeks with Gergiev were the most exciting ones. First of all, he was the music director, but secondly, um, he is, or we should say, was perhaps the busiest conductor. Uh, uh, in the world absolutely so, yeah so, yeah so so my biggest my biggest um luck was that he never rehearsed the orchestra and um i did all his rehearsals in my very first week we were doing a prokofiev festival which meant all the orchestral works by prokofiev so that's all his symphonies all the ballets but also the more unknown prokofiev but yeah. works like le Chou and works like the gambler and they're like 
these nobody knows these things. Yeah. They're great music. It's fantastic music. But I had no idea. So I was like, I had one summer to prepare like everything by Prokofiev. And huh. and then every day in it rehearsing the orchestra was a new symphony and a new ballet. It was like like crazy. Um so it was it's very compressed. And then of course when Gergiev comes along and he works for three minutes uh with the orchestra everything sounds different so yes. so then yes so that's he is he's like i don't c- compare him more often with um uh, and i <laughs> i mean that in a very positive way as a dog in a, in a garden and, and and it's an it's a garden that the dog doesn't know but he goes immediately to the place where the bone is hidden he knows where <laughs> to find he knows. I remember sitting in a concert and then suddenly he turns to the tuba and the tuba plays this incredible melody that I, I had no idea was in the score hidden somewhere, you know, and then he brings out something like that. Um, of course, not rehearsing the orchestra can be very scary for an orchestra as well. I mean, yeah, if you do the yeah. right spring with 10 minutes rehearsal time or if you do Mahler, the Sleep from the Air and the singers have never and have never had a rehearsal with the conductor, it's it's a very scary thing. So um, I, I, I was, I was always trying to make the orchestra feel that they, whatever happens, they know, they know what what to do to to stay together. And mm. so, so I, I, I had the task to be very practical in rehearsals, but also in preparing for whatever happens. Right. So mm. um, it, it was, it was a fantastic time, and and being able to watch him when he was rehearsing like brilliantly rehearsing like fantastic like Mm. things just really changed when 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 he was when he was working on on stuff um so so it it was a it was a brilliant time marvelous time yeah well i've spoken to another conductor on this podcast who benefited from um gergiev's well either lack of rehearsal or inability to, sometimes to actually make the connections to get to the concert um, exactly. Mike, michael francis who was a double bass yes. player in the london symphony orchestra yes. and yes. i've also benefited um the, the swedish radio symphony orchestra were part of the baltic festival a few years ago and um gergiev was just going to turn up on the day and conduct the se- shostakovich's second piano concerto and, and shostakovich's symphony number no. four now if you know shostakovich four you know that it needs more than just somebody to turn up on the day Absolutely. so they, they asked me to yeah. go and i did two days rehearsal with them right. and so you right. know the likes of yeah. you and i do benefit from yeah. this madcap schedule that as you rightly say yeah. he used to do yeah um but I do wonder, and, and well, let's stay on there first of all. I agree with you so much. My job that those two days in in uh, with the Swedish radio was just to make sure that they knew exactly what was going on in every bar, exactly. so that exactly. you know he could do exactly. his flights of fancy yes. or whatever yes. he wanted to do, and they knew yes. how to stick together. Yes. Um, oh, I totally agree. What an incredible way for you to learn so much repertoire and then see oh, absolutely. See him yeah. come in. I wonder yeah. whether I could ask, and I wonder whether you know the answer or are willing to give the answer. What? Because I've never asked anybody from the LSO or from any of the other orchestras that you know Gergiev's been music director of. What do the players think about the fact that somebody else does all of their rehearsal? Um, because well, I, I know in my old orchestra, I don't think we would have put up with it for very long. Um, I know. I mean, yeah. it's, this is. It's, it's, I, I I completely agree with everything you say, and it, it reminds me of the words that Gergiev actually said to me once. He said. Listen, you're not my assistant. I'm your assistant because because of because I'm not here. You get to do all that great work, so I'm assisting yeah. you. And and it's very true. And it's 
it's as an orchestra, it's in, in, in sometimes it's it's incredibly frustrating not to be able to work with um with with him or with the person doing doing the concerts. On the other hand, some concerts were so brilliant um and so unique. And I think lots of the musicians also appreciated the fact that they were well, that was possible at all to work with him. Yes. Um, and, and working with an assistant, I mean, the, I, I think as long as the assistant knows the orchestra well and knows when to, when to rehearse and also knows when to back out, um, uh, and just, just making sure that the orchestra, as you say, know what's going on and feel comfortable with everything. Um, yeah, a, I mean, but there is a, there is a, uh, there needs to be a balance. If, yeah. if, 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 and if the balance is is gone, then it's impossible for everyone. Mm. Um, and be, because that the balance just makes sure that the that the spirit of the orchestra is 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 positive, which is so important. And the yeah. and and I it's it's very funny thinking about about the spirit of an orchestra. And the, I'm, I'm sure you know this program. Maestro, I think it was. It, it started on the BBC. It started on the BBC, and it's and it's now very popular in the Netherlands. And actually, yeah. I recently interviewed Dominic Seldis uh, for my Patreon right. page, right. and he talks right. about right. it. Um, that episode's right. coming out this month, dear listener. Part one. Yeah, and I'm thinking about that program because yeah. what we're talking about actually is, and I I I I, I did some of the um, uh, I did some of those Maestro shows, and uh, yes. and I was I was so surprised by. Finding out that what if the orchestra likes the personality of the conductor? If the conductor is uh, totally incapable of beating a bar right, but giving a musical sense and a musical spirit and a musical timing, the orchestra actually can play pretty well. Yeah. Um, and and uh, th this is something that I really learned during during those pro programs, the, the shows um, that um, there's. Lots, lots of of conducting is actually has to do with the um, like like if, if the orchestra is willing and wanting to play well, they can play gorgeous, and the and the conductor can can very often do whatever he likes. Mm. Um, uh, and and that that is and and that's why I'm thinking also about that time in Rotterdam. I think because the the, the spirit in the orchestra was so positive and so good, and um, the, every everyone wanted to be prepared for the moment that someone like Gergiev comes along. Yeah. Um, um, on, on the other hand, I, I, I did experience when Gergiev left and, and Yannick came to the orchestra to be the music director. Um, he started to work with them in a very detailed and a, and, and a very thorough way. And it, I mean, the orchestra really flourished and, mm. and, 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 and went on to be um, maybe even, even a, a, a more, uh, well, a, a better orchestra. Uh, it's yeah. it's uh, and, and, and 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 it's and not not to say that some concerts with Gergiev were incomparable with anything. Um, I, I I still believe he is the most talented conductor ever. Um, but taking care of an orchestra is is also working very regularly on very specific detailed things. And um and and I I I did feel that when Yanni came in, it was very good for the orchestra. It was yeah. the change. Very good, yeah.
Um, one final question, because I know I didn't ask Michael this, and and you you were in exactly the position for me to maybe get an answer. When I uh, did Shostakovich four with the Swedish radio, uh, I had no contact with Gogiev at all, and so what I did was I downloaded his recording with the Mariinsky Theatre, and I found two performances online uh, on YouTube with other orchestras, and so I could say to the orchestra, "Look, I think he's likely to do this tempo." He could do this completely different from the score thing here because yeah. he, he's done that before, but he could also do this. Um, yeah. I did the same with a, a Schumann overture for Simon Rattle when the, the yeah. CBSO did something recently and I did all these rehearsals. And he, in yeah. in every performance he'd done, he did this slowing up for a specific note. And when I was there when he ran it through uh, and he did the slowing up and then the orchestra did it immediately and he just shouted out, thanks, Mike, you know, because yeah, 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 I'd yeah, done yeah. my homework. Did yeah. he contact you beforehand and say, look, my basic tempos are this, uh, I do this, that, that there, this here, or did you just try and come up with some, basically what's what's printed and, and give a sort of neutral? Well, I, I, I did pretty much the same thing. I was always, I was always listening to his recordings and performances before yeah. I went with a certain piece to the orchestra, um, always mentioning that um, probably it would go very, very, very different. Um, yeah. And um, uh, on many occasions, um, I picked him up from the place where he was actually conducting the week before to make sure that he was on time uh, for his next week. Um, and um, I remember we were sitting in the taxi from the airport to Rotterdam and we were doing, uh, we I think we were doing pictures. Um, or was it a Mahler symphony? It was or pictures of a Mahler symphony. And he, he asks me, he asks me, do I do that from memory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and a then, weird question. <laughs> I always said, well, I, well, I don't think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, so, I mean, this is, this is a very spontaneous way of music making, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and 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 that's that 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 what that's also what makes it so exciting. There's this there's this new way of looking at the score every time he does something, yeah. um, and and it and 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 it can turn out um, extremely well, or it can also go the other way. Yeah. Um after leaving Rotterdam, uh, chief conductor in two places uh, for five years in, with the Holland Symphonia, and then for yes. six years with the um, Symphony Orchestra St. Gallen and the Opera of St. Gallen. Um, yes. Isn't it wonderful for an orchestra to be able to do both, both the oh, symphonic it's, it's, and the opera? Brilliant. Because it's when they come great. to accompany mm. a piano concerto or mm. a violinist or something, oh, yeah. I mean, other orchestras I know do both roles. Yeah, uh, and as a consequence of being involved with St. Gallen Opera, I think you've pretty much done an opera every year since, looking at your calendar. How many would you like to do in an ideal year? I mean, one, now we're, now we're sort of back. Just one, yeah. One, and, because, uh, I mean, I love doing opera, and it's yeah. uh, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, it's, it's also one of the things I love about doing opera is that um, you spend a lot of time with the score and a lot yeah. of time with the singers and the, and, and the regisseur and, and the people in, in a production. Um, which makes it so more more into in depth and and more meaningful as when you conduct an orchestra. Even when you conduct your own orchestra, like where you are a music director, you spend three days on a, on a program. You give two or three concerts, and then you go on to the next. The next um, yeah. It's a very different way of 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 of, of, of what you what your how you're spending your time. But um, opera takes so much time. 
Mm. Um, and uh, um, as I, so I have a family. I have a, my wife and kids that I want to see. Um, and, and, and being away for six, seven or eight weeks is it, that's I, I find that really tough being away from the family for so long. Um, I always try to go home after two or three weeks uh, uh, on the road because I think in the end, um, uh, the family is the most important thing for me. Um, mm. And music is great, and I love what I do, and I and, and I'm very um, uh, I'm very eager to do all the repertoire that comes my way um, and meet all the orchestras that are that are willing to to have me stand in front of them. But but in the end, I mean. Missing out on the things that my my kids are growing up uh, doing and learning and and I, 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 in the end that's that is the most important thing. So so the so doing one opera in 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 the season is does feel like a good balancing um, balancing yeah. out. And, and the and the I, and and I, I completely agree with what you say about orchestras doing both, giving symphony concerts uh, and playing in the in the in the opera house. The, the wonderful thing in St. Gallen was we had two halls. One one side of the road was the concert hall, the Tornhalle, and the other side was the theatre. So they could just cross the road and, and uh, play a Don Giovanni performance in the evening and the next morning rehearse a Beethoven symphony. Um, mm. And um, and for me, that was um, it was fantastic to find that the orchestra could be so flexible and so... Um, uh, I mean... The, what you have to do as an opera orchestra listening and being uh, 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 you know being being ready to to go in any direction all the time just gives freedom when you play a symphony a symphonic prog program um so it's and and it's i i just i had great fun it's i just love doing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um the next place, I mean, you say you tend to do, you know, uh, uh, no, Holland Symphonia was seven till 12. Uh, St. Gallen was 12 till 2018. And then from 2018 onwards, you've been music director of Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. So you tend yeah. to go go from one to the other with occasional, you know, uh, two things going at once. How have you found Vancouver? I know uh, when I spoke to the, you know, the late, great and dearly lamented um, Bramwell Tovey that he loved working in um, uh, Vancouver. How are you finding it? Vancouver is brilliant. So, so the, first of all, the orchestra is just fantastic. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lovely bunch of people and, and um, uh, they, they're, they're a unique group. They, um, uh, they're really very eager to learn and to work and to improve um, and to grow as an orchestra. Uh, Bramwell, as you say, was here for a long, long, long time, for 18 years. Yes. Um, so he, he must have done some, something really well. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have huge respect for that. Um, and um, and he's, left, he's left an orchestra that's, that's just really good and, and, and really wonderful to be with. Um, and um, it's, um, every time I come to Vancouver, I'm surprised how many, how many new things we discover um, uh, ourselves, amongst ourselves, in the orchestra, in me, um, we're really growing together. It's a great city to be in. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge outdoors fan. Um, mm. I, 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 so, so Vancouver is in, is in between the mountains and the ocean. Yes. Um, so you, you could actually go uh, skiing, golfing, and swimming in one day without uh, uh, having to travel more than fifteen minutes. Um, and it's it's especially the swimming that is very dear to my heart. I, I swim every day. Um, I swim every morning in the swimming pool, and I try to swim all year round with a wetsuit. Uh, uh, in, in, well, 
in, in lakes or in the ocean or somewhere. Um, and so, so I, I, I find that um, that proximity of nature is is makes me very happy. And there's something about water and 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 my work, which I which I haven't really <laughs> figured out how that works. But there are, there are a couple of orchestras that that I go to that are by the ocean, and I always have great weeks with those orchestras. I don't know why that is, um, but it's being close to the to the water or to the ocean just gives me a state of mind that is very, I don't know, it's, it's, it, 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 it opens up something in, in my, whatever, in my spirit yeah. or my, my, the way I'm, the way I, 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 I behave myself or, and, and it just opens up paths to music somehow, um, which is, um, which, which is fascinating. And I, I haven't really figured out what that is, but um, it's um, it, apart from the fact that it's really inspiring um, for instance, when we talk about swimming, swimming just is a way of of not just physical exercise, but for me, it's like a mental, it's it's like meditation somehow, and yeah. it it frees my mind from worry and frees my mind from fear or anxiety, and which we all have to do somehow. Um, we all have to deal with our anxieties, and um, uh, standing in front of the orchestra, you should be able to kind of forget all your your worries and just be there for the music and for the orchestra um and swimming somehow just helps me helps me with that it's it's also it's also about being in the water that you're that you hear different things yes World that's so be- true yeah. the sounds become different and it's yeah, yeah well i just love it yeah, <laughs> yeah. well I, I i'm i'm wondering whether it'll be your answer to question three or whether that you know we might fit some skiing in later on when we come to the 10 questions um but we do need some way of a mental reset or a, an emptying yes. of the mind, yeah. especially after a tough rehearsal with maybe a tough piece, and and we're, yeah. we're concentrating hard on you know multi-time yeah. signatures. We need some way of emptying the mind. Yes, yes. Um, I always do my homework, as you know, because I showed you my little notebook, <clears throat> and which means that this morning I watched a video on your website, and I can't oh. remember the exact phrase you used, but it was something along the lines of, you are a confirmed non-specialist, um, <laughs> which I am as well. You know, I will happily conduct, you know, I'm, I'm next to me, on the, I'm trying to work out whether I can fit Shostakovich 8 and the Rachmaninoff Paganini um, Rhapsody together in a concert and whether I need an opener. But actually, this morning, I was also doing some arranging for uh, an orchestra in Germany. Oh, who The last time I worked with them, we were condu- I was conducting German rap and hip-hop. So I right, you know, right. happily do yes. everything from yes. one to the yes. other. Yes. It sounds like yes. you do too, and like yes. me, you just love music. Uh, well, was, it's, yeah. is it a con- was it a conscious decision to... Because I know some agents who would love us to be specialists, whether it's early music or, you know, you are a specialist in Russian repertoire, whatever it is. Or you, was it a conscious decision to go, no, actually, I like all music and I'll happily conduct well, I, it? That's true. So, so, so it's, I've, I've, I've always had the feeling that that my world gets bigger and bigger all the time and more interesting all the time by doing more music from all ages. And I've, yeah. I've always had the feeling that I... because. Because when I started conducting, I was I was mainly doing new music. It was it was the new music that um, people wanted me to conduct because, yeah. well, I could I could beat the bars and I could I could figure out the you know the the, the harmonies and and the rhythms and the weird the weird new things and 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 be 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 like like a policeman on a very tra- hmm. busy traffic you know uh, junction and then make sure that everyone knows when to come in and wait. Um, 
and I, I enjoyed it, but I, I very quickly realized that if I were doing lots of new music, that's this is what people would know me for. This is what I, I would be doing for the rest of my life. And then I I I, I quickly started to do a, a different kinds of music, like 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 Bach and Mozart and Beethoven and, and mm. Haydn, and then and then I moved on to to the bigger symphonic repertoire to do the Mahler and the Strauss. And I found that working on certain scores um i i always i always have the feeling that what i'm doing is the best music ever so yeah. so so last week we did uh, uh brahms first piano concerto and uh there was there is no better piano concerto than the brahms first piano concerto when i'm doing it yes but this week we're doing a mozart we're doing a mozart piano concerto and suddenly i feel oh hang on there's nothing better than this mozart piano concerto in the world this is the mm. best one ever um, and 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 that happens to me all the time when I when I work on a score, a good one, and I I, I have a good connection with the orchestra, and we're we're having we're having an interesting rehearsals. Then I I always find well, this is the music I should be doing all the time. Um, and it's and it's funny that you mentioned for 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 managements that it is very difficult to sell someone who is not a specialist because yeah. that, that that's just that's the way it works is that people want oh we know that guy for that repertoire so let's get him um so i i'm making my my manager's life tough uh, <laughs> uh, by 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 wanting to to do that um yeah. and um even even thinking about the 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 operatic or or the or the well my time in St. Gallen was I I did I did a Wagner I did a Strauss but I also did a Mozart I did a uh, we did um, Risen on Skin by um, uh, Benjamin yes and uh, we I did a new opera written by a, a Swiss composer um, so it was it was also also that repertoire I found that there's there's so much beauty to find in all those different scores why would I limit myself I I get to live this one life yeah. right and yeah. and and. I'm not going to limit myself if I if I don't have to. I mean, this, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I really do. Um, uh, and what's interesting is about it, and I have a very similar attitude to you when I when I'm working on any piece, really. But that enthusiasm comes across, and I've had orchestral players you know, talking to me. Well, one one in particular in the BBC Symphony, she said, "You know, we love you coming because it, it's written all over your face how much you love what you're doing." Which yeah. you know, and that that communicates. Yeah. You know that that's so yeah. important. Um, I mean, there are times when we have to be an advocate for a piece of music that maybe doesn't touch us specifically or individually, but it doesn't mean that you can't still enjoy the process and the, and the performance Absolutely. of it. But yeah. yeah, you're right. Every time I sit in front of a new program or stand in front of a new program, you think, "Oh, I can't wait to conduct this. This is great yeah. fun." You know, yes. even if it's you know German hip hop and rap or Schoolgirlish eight, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. One final thing I mentioned earlier on, we were born in the same year, which means we're the wrong side of 50, or depending on how yes. you look at it. Um, and, you know, you, as you said, your family's based, I think, in the Netherlands. You Before that, you were based in Switzerland, but you're obviously in Vancouver a lot as the, as the music director there. Any top tips for travelling um, for people of a certain age? I mean, you know, do you, does it take you longer to get over it? Or, you know, are you a... A sleeper, or a, you know, what do you do to make sure that you always feel good on that first Monday morning? Uh, I, I, whenever I arrive after a flight, I go outdoors. 
yeah. I go for, I go for a walk. Um, if if possible, I go for a swim. So the yeah. first thing I always do going to a city. I remember I've just been to uh, to Perth in Australia, and the first thing I do, I have this app where I can find the best swimming pools around. So I find the best swimming pool around. So for me, having a having that physical exercise is really important. If I don't do that, um, I don't sleep well, uh, and I can't I can't function during the day. So so that's essential. Um, not to be tempted to sit down on the couch and watch telly or Netflix. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, when you arrive somewhere, just be just be really active. That's really important. I I try to eat very healthy, <laughs> um, and that's uh, that's something that um, well, it it it, 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 it originates. My, my my wife started doing that, and I thought, oh yeah. bullshit, why should I do that? I want to eat whatever <laughs> I like. And then suddenly I realized, well, I realized that if you take care of what you eat, um, and 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 if you figure out things that that you that is is good fuel for you um it makes a huge difference so um i think those two things uh, are important um and uh yeah i mean it's it's it's, it, it's something that um you just have to deal with it's it's the the, the, the flights are it, it's never really easy but um no. Yeah, it's part. part we of, just part we of just life. get on with it. Yeah, I I get agree with it. you, um, especially about the eating because uh, I've been, uh, or put it this way, eating far less than I used to. Um, yeah, and and I've lost an awful lot of weight uh, over the last uh, three months, and I feel so much better for it. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't end the day of of a you know five or six hours rehearsing now i don't end those days absolutely wiped out like i used to i, I feel like i've yeah. still got energy to do some more yeah. you know and it makes yeah. such a difference and yes. you know I, i've got a lot of flying yeah. in the new year uh in 2023 and i'm looking forward to doing it a couple of stone lighter than i was yeah. and, and yeah. seeing yeah. you know how i cope yeah. so no you're yeah. right yeah yeah especially 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 the carbs quit your carbs yeah if you quit carbs it's it's a huge difference yeah it is i agree yeah. completely yeah. i agree yeah <laughs> there's an 11th question otto which you may or may not know about which is basically about score preparation and score marking and learning how do you go about it do you have a process that you always use um piano or non-piano or or inner ear you know big to small whatever and for the geeks who've listened to all 120 odd episodes are you a scribbler in are you a red blue and black pencil person um highlighters or or do you use nothing Oh wow! Now Otto's showing me a pencil case of colours and um, rubbers and erasers so, and sharpeners yeah. and yeah. So yeah. I am I am I'm a very much a scribbler and it's it's yeah. um I find that um, writing things so so I've tried to work with the iPad for a while and 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 I just the thing is when I when I work with a score on the iPad it's very easy for travelling because you can bring the entire library for the next yes. five years in in your in and, and it weighs nothing but working on the iPad. I don't, it doesn't stick with me. I don't remember things that I've seen. Um, uh, when I, even when I have this pencil on the computer, you know, the iPad has, you can write on with a, with a pencil. And even if I, if I write things in my score, like uh, harmonies or, or, or special dynamics or instrumentation remarks, then I forget them. And if yeah. I have a pencil, if I have a pencil and I put it on paper, I remember. And yeah. then, I don't have to look at it anymore, which is for me that it's it's very functional to write things down with a pencil. Um, I, I, I love to start when I do a piece 
for the second or the third or the fourth time, I love to start with a clean score and a new pencil, yeah. um, just as as a as a as a as a ritual. But uh, very often there's not no time to do that, and I just get my old score from um, from somewhere. Um, I, I I'm very visual in a certain way, so I just show you showed showed you all those those colored pencils, and I I have this uh, very simple way of. Of, of, of grouping the instruments with the color. So for me, the, the strings are blue and the brass is brown and the, and the woodwinds are purple and the percussion is green. And um, so, so every, every instrument has a color. Um, so whenever I see my scores, I, I kind of, I see the color combination of instruments also in a color, in a real color combination. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. and, 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 and that's just very helpful for me, not, not only by um, you want to see in a glance, okay, so it's the clarinet uh, who's coming up soon. It's it's also somehow the, um, but I think that's also what we do as a conductor, because if you listen to an orchestra play, you have to do so many things at the same time. You have to kind of, you have to kind of prepare the orchestra for what's coming. You have to listen to uh, how are they playing? What's it sounding like? And do I want to change anything? So, so you're like, you're like almost in three moments in time at the same time with your, so with right. your, yeah. your mind. Um, but, but I, but I find that you, you very often you listen to the, to the mixture of colors, the way the orchestra blends. Um, and if there's something wrong in the blending, um, you start to try to figure out what, what, what do we need to work on? And the same thing happens with the colors in my scores. The, the colors kind of start to blend in a certain way. Um, and I can I always recognize my own scores immediately when I when I go to the library of the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra and there are things that I've done before that I've forgotten because I forget all the time the things I've done. And I mm -hmm. take out the score and I see my own pencil. Oh, I've done this one. That's yeah. me. So it's it's I I, I it. there's no question uh when 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 it's my score or not. Um and um, I, I tend to write things in, not to not to not to not to be able to uh, see it afterwards. But once I've written them in, I know. Yes. Yeah. Actually, and then actually, I don't need it anymore. But I I need to have that moment of writing it in. That's yeah, yeah. It's also it's also for me um, when I prepare a score, I try to to look at every every single thing in the score. Um, so I, I also have this system of going through all the instruments always, not missing one thing. Um, and I mean, when you're traveling, there's no piano there. It's always very, very handy to have a piano there, but very often there is no piano. So so you have to kind of start imagining those things in your mind. And and it's 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 always a challenge to hear different things at the same time in your head. I mean, that's mm -hmm. always the, the the big challenge. It, I mean, the easiest thing is just to go to Spotify and and play uh, ten different recordings. But um, then it doesn't really stick with you. If no. if, if you re if you read a score and um, I have this uh, this app on my on my on my on my on my watch uh, that that has a little vibrating metronome uh, pulse. Um, and so, so when I'm on the on the on the plane, I I put on the metronome on my wrist. Yeah. And I, I'm reading score with a metronome running, um, and and that that's 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 a good way for me to prepare scores. 
Are you a young conductor, thirsty for knowledge and wanting to discover more about the conducting world? Then my Patreon page is there for you. I'm constantly posting new content there based on my experiences as a conductor and I offer you the chance to ask me any question any time of the day. You'll gain access to interviews, video posts, tour diaries, articles and much more. If you pay for the whole year, then you will gain a 10% discount. And if you're a student, contact me directly and there will be a further discount. All of this can be found at patreon.com forward slash a mic on the podium. And from just £5 a month, you gain access to this ever-growing resource on conductors and conducting. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com. Details and links to the page are in the show notes attached to this episode. Now, the all-important 10 questions with my guest, Otto Tausk. Otto, it's 10 questions time. And so I start with what sound or noise do you love and what sound or noise do you hate? I love the sound of water and the ocean. Yeah. Um, that, that makes me happy always and calm. Um, what sound do I hate? Wow. I hate the sirens of the ambulance during the night when I'm trying to sleep. That's a very good, um, very good answer. Uh, I started to hate the, the sirens um, during lockdown when I was doing these interviews because it was very hot in the UK. Yes. And I had to have all of the windows shut. And the, I must have done at least 10 interviews sitting in this room absolutely boiling because I didn't want to hear any, any ambulances <laughs> coming through on the recording. <laughs> Um, question three, I wonder whether, due to your swimming, it's going to appear. I'm sure it will. But question three is, if you had 24 hours free, what would you spend it doing? Swimming. Swimming. <laughs> swimming. Uh, and after a good swim, are you a, are you an eater? Are you a, I know, you, yes. you know we're both trying yes. to eat more healthily, but, you know, would you like yes. to go out for a meal? And Yes. So so I'm, I'm extremely happy whenever I'm in Vancouver um, because you have the most great sushi places in I the bet. world in Vancouver and there's even there's even there's even one place where I where I've been so often they have now named a certain sushi kind after me so it's the you can actually get the Otto Tausk roll oh brilliant <laughs> it's it's great it's it's spicy tuna and it has some asparagus on it as well yeah oh that's excellent yeah. if I'm ever in Vancouver I shall look it up because I do like sushi yes. yeah, that's, yeah that's yes. brilliant yes yes question four who would be a favourite conductor or conductors of yesteryear? Bruno Walter. Oh, now that's a name I'm not sure has appeared before. If it has, only once or twice. Why Bruno Walter? Because I think I think his his music making, um, as I know it from from recordings, of course, because it's a long, long time ago, um, is is incredibly sensitive and human, and mm. and has has a, has a kind of breath to it and 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 spacing that just really touches me very much yeah i think it's a great choice i mean the, yeah yeah I've, there's a um is it brahms 2 watching him rehearse brahms yes. 2 where that's yes. famous yes. rehearsal when he's yes. quite old but yeah his recordings are wonderful and so Beautiful. yeah very good yeah. choice because i've not had it yeah. uh, and also it's not carlos kleiber which is good because we it's about time somebody well, didn't say that so yeah. <laughs> carlos kleiber is of course very unique and yeah uh, yeah, yeah. But Bruno Valt is brilliant. Yeah. I wonder yeah. whether your answer will be equally as brilliant or whether it's the one I think it might be for question five, which is, can you name your favourite current conductor or conductors? 
So I, so being so close to, to Valery Gergiev for so many years um, uh, has had the biggest impact on my life ever, um, yeah. uh, especially my musical life, of course. Um, uh, the situation in the world being very tricky at this very moment, it's 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 hard um, to put that in the right perspective. Um, but um, I I just feel that he is the the biggest talent and and the the most he has the the greatest instinct uh, ever. Um, but it's 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 also hard to make a choice because for some repertoire there are conductors that that speak to me more than than and for other repertoire. Um, but it's also I, I can come back to certain recordings and then suddenly discover, oh, but I actually really like what this person is doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it, it it also changes. It, yeah. it it really does. I mean, there there was a time when I was when I was, I was a hundred percent believer that the way uh, Nicolas Arnoncourt was doing the Beethoven symphonies was the only way possible. Yeah. And then I suddenly heard. Um, the uh, the Swiss recordings of uh, of Zinman um, yeah. with his Beethoven symphony. Oh no, my God, he's right. He's right. exactly <laughs> what. And it, so it, 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 yeah, it changes. Yeah. Well, I I think that's why some people have struggled or even refused to answer that question. But right. um, but yeah, and yeah. often the answers are repertoire specific. And as you say, as you rightly say, you know, we change our minds, we grow, we we grow yes. older, we our yeah. views change. Yeah. I mean, it's going to yeah. you know, but yeah. Uh, Perfect. And, yeah. and I agree with you about Gergiev. Yes, whilst the situation now is, is you know, is far from ideal. Um, yeah. But, you know, he was a great influence on your life then. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is the hardest work you've ever conducted? Two pieces come to mind. One is a, a piece by Boulez that I've done uh, with an ensemble uh, in Germany, the mm. Musikfabrik. Um uh, it's called, it was a while ago, it's called Derive, and it, it was a piece, uh, I, I think it was a 20-minute piece to start with, and then and then, just before we we, 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 we embarked on that journey, um, it, it, there was a second version, Derive 2, which was suddenly 45 minutes long, and it was the most difficult conducting ever, um, <laughs> but um, I, I learned a great deal from, from, from that, and I even, I even, I, I, there were some moments in the score that I that I had no idea how to tackle, and so I, 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 I he was in Amsterdam. I brought the score to to him, and I said, Maestro, um, I have this score. Uh, you wrote it. Um, yeah. Please tell me how to conduct this. And he said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that that kind of put me at ease. Yeah. Now the other piece, I said there were two pieces. The other piece was was actually a piece that we were accompanying a film. It was a piece by. Uh, a, a, Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a really easy piece to conduct. It was a four-four tempo sixty, but it yeah. had to last exactly an hour. Yes. So, so I was not allowed to speed up or slow down for an entire hour. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I I refused to work with the click track for that piece. So, and uh, I managed. I I I think I was perhaps half a minute off in the end or something. But the um and. and and just the sheer concentration of staying in one tempo for an entire hour oh. was, was really challenging. And um, I mean, it was it was not a difficult piece. I mean, everyone was uh, uh, was it was totally clear what everyone had to play. I just had to beat the bars and stay in that one tempo. Yeah. And uh, very but but fun. 
I'm not surprised you didn't want a click track because having a you know a tick every single uh, second for an hour would uh, drive you uh, insane. Yeah, I've done a, a very similar thing. Uh, tacked onto the, I think it was at the end of a session of rehearsals with the BBC Symphony Orchestra. They wanted us to record a new signature tune for the proms, which they did eventually use. And I was told I can't remember what the the final. It had to be something like thirty one seconds long, right? You know, <laughs> uh, uh, and and so you know the music was handed out and we read it through and then we put the red light on, and we did it and they said no, I'm sorry, it was perfect in every way other than it was thirty two seconds long, right? Uh, could yeah, you do it again, yeah. please? You <laughs> yeah. know, and with no click track, nothing, you know. So you're just get guessing, yes. And, we got it exactly 31 minutes long, and the, uh, but on that take, the trumpets uh, split the last note, so we couldn't use it. And then took another two or three goes to go it, to do it. I mean, yeah, they're, they're the some of the weird and wonderful things we end up doing, but wow. yeah, the thought yeah. of an hour of 4-4 yeah. with a click in your head, oh, yeah, forget no, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. 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 When travelling abroad to conduct, what item could you not leave home without? Uh, swimming trunks, definitely swimming trunks. If I, <laughs> I, I, Whenever I travel, the first thing I do is I... I, I, I figure out where is the swimming pool and I go there. Yeah. Did you yeah. know, by the way, that Vasily Petrenko was um, nearly became an Olympic swimmer? Really? Yeah, I yeah. Did. It's one of the things I, I found know. out interviewing interviewing him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. I yeah. I could also have said my my knitting needles because sometimes I I knit blankets. Ah. Uh, especially when when I was living in Switzerland and I was spending all these evenings uh, at home and the snow was falling and i i knitted i knitted blankets i'm, I'm a terrible knitter i'm not i i can only do one one way yeah. but it's it, it i find it very <laughs> uh calming yeah, yeah. brilliant yeah. yeah number eight anything you like real fantasy whatever what is the one thing you would change about being a conductor Ooh. so i've actually i have actually recently changed one thing i wanted to change for a very long time so i i might just talk about that it's the yeah. shoes the shoes so i'm 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 a huge barefoot walker that which is like the special barefoot shoes you feel the ground they're mm. very flexible and and so so i my rehearsals are always on you know it's what's the english word the plimsoll or a, or a barefoot shoe it's very comfortable um, and I, I feel that I can stand comfortable. And 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 then the concert comes and you have to wear these shiny shoes that are very uncomfortable. So I have a, a friend of mine has just made me barefoot concert shoes. And and they're there. It's so fantastic to really stand on the ground and, and feel comfortable with with your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's a brilliant answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not one I expected at all, but what a great no. answer. And you're you're so right in the fact that, you know, most people will, will be wearing during the day a pair of trainers or sneakers, yes. as they're called in the US. Yes. Or, you know, a shoe shoe that you've had for years, a leather shoe yes. possibly, that's really comfortable. And then you put yes. on your shiny shoes for the concert and you get in them and think, well, I only ever wear these for concerts. They're as stiff as a board. Exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely brilliant answer. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine, and again, uh, real or fantasy, completely up to you. Um, number nine is, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, something outdoors, probably. Yeah. Be 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 a shepherd or something. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of alone time, I would, <laughs> being a shepherd. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but yeah, something outdoors makes sense for you, I think. Yeah. Something outdoors, yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love languages. I would I would love to learn more languages. Mm. Um I wish I had the time to learn better Italian or French or Spanish or um and, and it just um just never 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 I never find the time to do that. That that would be something I would I would love to to go into depth in. Yeah. Yeah. Going into depth, cheesy link, um, but going into depth made me suddenly think somebody who obviously absolutely adores swimming and has wetsuits and swimming trunks and whatever else. Have you ever scuba dived? Is that something that you're also interested no, in? No, I have not. I have hmm. not. No, but I, I, I'm, I'm tempted though. I, yeah. I had a very nice dinner last night with Paul Nicklin and, and his wife, Christina Mittemeyer, which probably two people you don't know but if you start googling paul nicklin yeah. and christina mitamite you'll find out what they do and the, what they do is they they go to antarctica and they they film underwater stuff and it's so beautiful it's yeah amazing yeah. like i was like why haven't i seen this before and and they live here on on vancouver island and the most the most nature nature place you can imagine yeah. um and and I, I I I this morning I was thinking oh, I might want to try scuba diving once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, the reason why I thought about it was that you know if if, if there, I couldn't think of any jobs other than being a swimming instructor until I thought, oh, frogman, you could be a frogman if you scuba dived. A frogman, uh, all, yeah. I, I, I would be terribly scared of sharks, though. Yes. This is something I, I I'm scared of. Sharks is is I, I remember last year I had this wonderful so so during covid i did travel to canada and i had to spend two weeks quarantine um um so now i hope the authorities are not listening to your podcast but i, I did do my quarantine but i was by the ocean uh -huh. and i did go swimming um i probably they can't find me uh, in, in in hindsight but i wasn't allowed of course but um i, I did go swimming um, um and um um i went in with a wetsuit and I came out and, and the neighbors said, oh, I see you had a nice swim. Did you see the killer whales go by? <laughs> <laughs> and Hopefully the, you said, thank, no, I didn't, thank God. <laughs> I didn't, thank you. And, uh, I, I, and because the thing about killer whales is that, they, they, I mean, they don't attack people, but they eat sea lions. And when you have a wetsuit on, you look yeah. very much like a sea lion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> The, yeah, yeah I, I think I'd love to watch them go by from the you know the safety of the shore, but being yes. in no, no, definitely yes. not. Yeah. And finally, Otto, it's time to ask you my favorite question: If the world were to end tonight, what would be your choice of final meal and drink? Without any doubt, it would be sushi. Mm -hmm. um, I just adore the Japanese uh, cuisine, and I would drink a white wine with it. Uh, any particular country vineyard? Italian white wine. Mm, nice. And crisp and cold? Crisp and cold, yeah. yes. That yeah. sounds lovely. Oh, I do like yeah. sushi as well. It's one of the benefits of my new eating regime is that I, you know, yes. it's stuff that you can eat and it, it's not too bad for you. Absolutely, absolutely. I leave out the rice is my advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great answer. And a great interview it's been. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you, Otto. And I hope that, you know, we can sit down one day over some sushi and a, a glass of white wine and carry on chatting again. Thank you very much. I would, I would love that. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. 
A Mic on the Podium was devised and produced by Michael Seal, with music by Ben Dawson. Next time, I chat with a British conductor who started his musical career as a chorister and went on to become a countertenor, singing in choirs and also on the opera stage. His conducting career really started in earnest in 2001 when he founded Tenebrae and the Tenebrae Consort. But until then, bye-bye.